Do you look at people in kayaks and on paddle boards and think to yourself, I'd like to try that? Do you see them and think, hmm, that doesn't really look that hard? Well, it isn't. And our guest, Mary Ellen Arndorfer, is here today to give us the 411 on all the things we need to know to get started in recreational paddle sports. Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends, or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Today's episode is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 12 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing sponsorship are our friends at Kempco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And of course, Liberty Outdoors, manufacturers of the award-winning Max and Mini Max travel trailers. Thank you, Girl Camper Sponsors, for allowing me to bring great RV content to outdoor enthusiasts everywhere. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster, and this is Episode 175 of Girl Camper, the Podcast. Mary Ellen Arndorfer is our returning guest today. She's a former Grand Canyon River guide who spent her honeymoon kayaking in Baja, Mexico. Today, she's a recreational paddler who is giving us an overview of the recreational water sports we can do while camping. I think that one of the best ways to add excitement to a camping trip is to get out on the water. It really doesn't matter if it's a lake, a river, the ocean. Kayaking, canoeing, and paddle boarding, and even surfing are great ways to add excitement to any camping trip. Mary Ellen has done all of these, and today she's here to tell us how we can get started, too. Stay tuned. Before we chat with Mary Ellen, we have a message from our friends at Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia. They are the first-time buyer's dealership. The experienced staff at Setzer's will help you find the right model for you. Whether you're looking for a lightweight towable travel trailer, a fifth wheel, a pop-up, or a motorhome, Setzer's has about 150 new and used trailers on the site to choose from. Their staff will help you assess your needs, your tow vehicle, and find the perfect match for you. They won't let you go camping until their team has walked you through every aspect of your trailer and given you their camping starter kit. It goes out the door with everybody who purchases a trailer from Setzer's. Their reputation for selection, quality service, and competitive pricing make them the go-to dealer that not only serves West Virginia, but residents of Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee as well. To look at their selection online, go to girlcamper.com and just click over or go to setzersrv.com and do some online shopping. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back, everyone. It's such a pleasure for me to have Mary Ellen Arndorfer back on the show today. Mary Ellen was on a couple of months ago and she was talking about pop-up campers. She is an experienced outdoor woman. She is a former Grand Canyon River guide who also spent many days paddling in other locations. She spent her honeymoon kayaking in the Sea of Cortez in Baja, Mexico, was photographed paddling Yellowstone Lake at sunrise with grizzly. Grizzlies grazing in the background on Outside Magazine. 
She learned to surf at age 53 in Hawaii and spends the summers paddleboarding at the local lakes with her family and her dog. Mary Ellen, thank you for coming back on the show. Oh, it's so fun to be here again, Janine. Although I, I wish we were recording this from a lake somewhere. Wouldn't that be lovely? Kayaks. You know, I, I this is such a great topic, and I'm so glad you came on to talk about this because I grew up on lakes in the Midwest, water skiing, and, and we didn't. There really wasn't anything but water skiing for water sports back in the '70s, and it was so much fun. And a couple years ago, well, more than that, we took our kids to a, a lake up in Maine, and they had tubing and flat boarding, and there was all kinds of other water things, but it was still everything kind of pulled behind a boat. And now, there's just seems like so much to do on the water with kayaks now and paddle boards, and myself, I got into the whole kayaking thing maybe three or four years ago, more than that, like four, four or five maybe, one of the girl campers came to a trip and she brought her kayak and we were camping near a lake and we dragged it down there and everybody took a turn. We all jumped in our cars and ran to Walmart and bought kayaks. <laughs> and that's such a great way to get started when a friend can introduce you to it. Yeah, it, it is so much fun. Now, that being said, I don't actually carry my kayak with me when I'm going on a camping trip anymore because it's just too easy to rent them at most places. And I find that I don't have to worry about strapping it on there and everything. So, so many places that we go now have different water sports. Um, Guntersville Lake Campground in Alabama last year just had all this great stuff you could rent. So I'm so glad you came on the show today because you know a lot about this stuff and you do all kinds of different paddling. So let's walk through the different things people can do. Why is this uh, an adventure for you? What what drew you to paddling? Well, I think um, I wasn't much of a paddler before I became a river guide and that's a whole nother story. But once I had eight years of guiding um, under my belt, I really couldn't stay off the water. Um, so anytime we can get on a lake or a creek or a river or the ocean, my husband and I, and, and sometimes our daughter, we just love to get on the water. And anytime we can combine that with a camping trip, um, we do that. So we actually own two inflatable paddle boards and a two-man inflatable kayak, um, which looks more like a raft, really, and, and is manufactured by one of the big raft companies. And um, more recently, we've been kind of dabbling with surfing. We're not very good at it, but it, it sure is fun. So we just can't stay off the water. It's the water. such a serene and intimate way to experience um, the landscape when when you're out camping or even if it's just a day trip around your own town. Um, it's just a really quiet way to get in touch with nature, get some good exercise, often see some really amazing wildlife on that um, kayaking trip that we did on our honeymoon in Baja, Mexico we spent one day chasing down a whale. I mean, we didn't, we didn't really want to catch it, obviously. <laughs> it was a huge whale. But we felt like we were Olympic quality paddlers trying to <laughs> chase down this whale as it was feeding and, and moving through the Sea of Cortez. Um, other people I know fish from their kayaks or even their paddle boards and their canoes. So there's just all kinds of ways that you can get on the water and all kinds of reasons to do it. You know, I, I think everybody would just wring my neck if I didn't go backwards for a minute. I know we touched on this the last time you were on the show, but I, I just want you to give us the Reader's Digest on this again for somebody who might not have heard your other interview. You left corporate America, a pretty cushy, big deal job in the San Francisco area in your early 30s and became a river guide on the Grand Canyon. Spend a few minutes talking about that because that's spectacular. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure there is a reader. <laughs> but, 
Um, when I was 31, I had um, spent the first uh, eight years of my career working at the biggest accounting firm in the world in San Francisco as a CPA. Um, it was a really great life. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. It was great training. I worked with wonderful people. But there was just something always nagging at me. And um, I love to get away to Yosemite as often as I could. It's just a few hours away um, and the whole Sierra Nevada range. And one summer, my mom invited me to go on a river trip on the Grand Canyon with some of my siblings. I really wasn't that interested because it was the desert and I, Grand Canyon just wasn't on my radar at all. But I agreed to go because she was paying for it. And <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, I pretty much had a midlife crisis at 31 on that trip and came off of it. And all I wanted to do was become a river guide. So I spent the next um, six months pursuing that. Um, was lucky enough to get a job down there somehow. I, I'm making it sound easy. It was not. Um, and I spent eight years working on the river and really, really loved it. Um, and um, to this day, and it's been many years since I was uh, guiding, but to this day, it really informs how I live my life just about every day. And the fact that really anything is possible if you just put your head down and really go for it. Yeah, hands so. to the plow. Yeah. Yeah, I just, don't. yeah, hands to the plow and don't look back. You know, like, you, right. you can make yeah. it happen. You can make it happen. And I love your story. And when you were in Waxahachie, this is still ringing in my ears. I keep thinking about it. And it's funny how you're such a good writer, Mary Ellen. And I should tell everybody you are the founder of the Camper Groove um, website. And you're a fantastic writer, but you're a really good speaker, too. And you gave a beautiful talk there about your midlife crisis and giving people permission to have a midlife crisis. But you said something in that talk about laying on the riverbed at night with a full moon and having all of the canyon walls lit up red by the light of a moon. Still thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite memories as well um that and the number of stars that you see down yeah. there if you're lucky enough to be there during a meteor shower oh wow you really can't get any sleep because you just spend the whole night uh ooing and eyeing and watching the night sky yeah um, and you must so be exhausted from paddling down <laughs> there but i had an experience like that at um when we were at um, a campground uh, in south dakota and we were laying awake at night and I was looking out my camper window and the lightning, there was a lightning storm in the distance and it kept backlighting the mountains. Uh, I was so tired, my eyes were sh welded shut, but I kept trying to force them open because it was so beautiful and something I just, I didn't want to end. Exactly. Yeah, and you don't know if you're ever going to experience it again. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I want to... for the show. I know, I know. It's so cool. So I want to talk about first uh, the different kinds of paddling. Can we just talk about equipment for a minute? So if somebody were brand new and they just want to get out on the water, let's talk about the different kinds of like spa uh, paddle sports they could do. Sure. So the probably the most popular one um, these days and the one uh, with the lowest barrier to entry, if you will, is probably kayaking. There's so many different types of kayaks out there. There's touring kayaks, whitewater kayaks, racing kayaks, sea kayaks. But most beginners are going to use what's known as a recreational or hybrid kayak. And those are often what we would call a sit on top style. So you're not confined in this, um, you know, with your legs and waist um, underneath the cockpit inside the boat in a, in a tightly confined way, like a, that, that would be more of a um, whitewater kayak. Okay. Um, but a sit on top is really stable. It's much easier to get in and out of. It's very difficult to flip. And there's not that feeling of being confined within something, which is a scary feeling when you're on the water. You don't want to be confined in something. It's funny that you're saying this because I purposely got the sit inside one. It, it makes me feel like, okay, nothing's going to jump out of the water and get me. No. 
I, I, well, you might be paddling on different types of water yes, than I do. Right, down in, if you're paddling in Florida or something. But I, um, I like the sit-in one. But anyway, because I think there's a better back support in it. Um, but anyway, every everybody is True. different. But yeah, although the sit-on-top ones do usually have um, a flexible seat that's built into them that you can tighten up Um with a buckler strap system that would give you some support. Because I, I agree, I like a lot of good support too. And then the other type to really mention, which is the type that we have that I really love, is an inflatable kayak. And those are made out of the same super tough material that river rafts are made out of. It's it's pretty bomber. It's, you would really have to work hard to puncture it or damage it in some way. And those um, I, I love because they are super stable. I can actually stand on ours. I wouldn't do a, a dance or a jig on it, but if I had to, I could stand on it. That's how stable it is. And I would um, imagine so much more easily transportable. So easy to transport. So you don't need a, a roof rack, which can be quite expensive. And also when you have things stored on a roof rack, even if it's locked down, it does make it more accessible for somebody to... You have to worry about it. Yeah, you have to worry about it more. The Our inflatable kayak, and it's a two-man, it's almost 13 feet long. We could actually fit it inside a sedan door. Like it doesn't have to go in a truck bed. It's small enough Okay. To, get into a decent sized trunk or even inside the passenger door. Um, and I find them to be extremely comfortable. You can strap a lot of gear onto it um, and they're self bailing, meaning that the water that gets into the kayak, either from waves or because of the way you're paddling or you have a water fight with your friends, any water that gets in the boat is just going to naturally drain out on its own. You don't have to bail the okay. boat. Okay, so there I you really go. Like that. So is there anything, if you were like a first-time kayaker, is there anything you should just avoid? Like a, a pitfall that you could say, just skip this step and go to the next one? Yeah, well, there's probably quite a few things. One, we never want to kayak or get on the water alone. Um, it's always best to have at least one other person with you. And first timers should definitely plan on just staying close to shore. Um, if you get uncomfortable, if you get panicky, if you get concerned about something, you can just take a couple of strokes and get back into shore rather than being marooned way out on a lake or, you know, too far right. out into the ocean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Don't go alone. Um, I, I, I would avoid that at all costs because even with cell phones and everything, um, you just should always do it with like a like a pool or lake, a buddy. Ag agree. Your cell phone isn't going to help you if you're unconscious. <laughs> yeah, that's no good then. Yeah. They'll just be able to find you. <laughs> but yeah. And I think the other thing that a lot of us sometimes forget to think about is is the weather. Um, you really want to be cognizant of what the weather's doing. Um, if you are paddling in an area where the wind tends to come up in the afternoon, you know, factor that into your pl plans. We live in northern Arizona, up in the mountains, so we get a lot of afternoon wind, especially in the summer. And that means that if we want to spend um, the day paddling, we're going to go out early because we don't want to get Deal with the wind. out on a lake and have the winds come up in the afternoon and then make it very difficult and very tiring to paddle back to mm -hmm. um, our starting point. Well, where um, I paddle here, there is, uh, it's a tidal. I, I, I paddle someplace called Crosswicks Creek, and it's a tributary off the Delaware River, which is subject to ocean tides. So you can just be going out with like nearly high tide and, and the tide is working with you. And then it's amazing when you turn that thing around, how long it takes you to get back. Even exactly. when that there's just the littlest bit of tide going against you. Yes. So, so and what other safety concerns would people have to worry about? Well, one that I'm a real stickler for is life jackets, also known as PFDs, personal flotation devices. To me, anytime I'm on the water, a life jacket is like a seatbelt. I would never consider getting in a vehicle without a seatbelt on. 
And I feel the same way on the water, even though I'm an excellent swimmer and have lots of experience. You always want to be thinking about the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, the wind comes up, it dumps me out of my boat, my head hits a rock, and now I'm unconscious. You want your life jacket on. So yeah. I always think about the worst case scenario. And what I remember from my guiding days in Grand Canyon um, with life jackets, what people often don't realize is they're not going to do you a whole lot of good if they don't fit right and if they aren't being worn properly, meaning completely buckled up. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people going down a whitewater river with a life jacket on, but it's completely unbuckled. Oh, my That's gosh. going to do you absolutely no it's good. It's going to fall off. Yeah, should you come to need it. Um, I also like to have a light uh, a life jacket that is bright colors um, that would also aid in any kind of emergency situation if somebody's trying to find you underwater Um, yeah and just making sure that it's the right kind of life jacket for the sport that you're doing it should be pretty heavy duty but it should be comfortable for the sport if you're going to be paddling for hours at a time you need those arm holes big enough that you're not going to be chafing constantly. That's going to make for a miserable day on the water. Um, so there are life jackets that are made specifically for paddle sports, and that's really what you want to look for. And I would imagine there's a huge difference in the quality of um, life jackets and that you should yeah. really kind of really try one on in the store. I mean, I have the bottom of the line one for my kayak and it constantly rides up around my neck and I just keep thinking, I gotta spend the money and get one that is not so restrictive because they have them with mesh on the sides now and the front and back are flotation, but they're not choking you. So I've got this cheap, like awful one. Yes, no, you're right. And the one that you described is like the one that I have. It's very heavy duty but it is mesh on the sides. It's very easy to paddle in. It's almost like straps at the shoulders, um, but it is rated for class five whitewater. So okay. you could t- take it on a very gnarly river, but it also is very comfortable to just spend the day paddling on the lake. So you're absolutely right. Quality life jacket is really important. Once you invest in it, you'll have it the rest of your life. Now, I know, I was I was watching um, a whitewater paddler on a, an Instagram person I followed the other day, and, and they were doing some pretty heavy rapids, and they had really good helmets on. Is a helmet something you only need on whitewater? You don't need that on a lake, do you? I, I don't wear one on a lake, um, Janine. I would say, yeah, it's definitely more for moving water and water where you're going to have rocky conditions. Um, it's probably overkill to need to wear one on a lake unless you're going to be doing something that would warrant it. I, this is a silly question, but, you know, um, when when my kids were little, uh, my kids, I was so afraid of drowning all the time. And I, I had them in every swimming class at the Y from the time they were, you know, could be thrown in the deep end. And um, I used to make them wear a whistle at the New Jersey Shore. <laughs> I always had them in the neon shirts, too, because there's so all these kids, and I needed to be able to spot them. So I love that idea of yours, and I get it. But I, when there was a bunch of kids and I would lose sight of them, I always had my kids wear a whistle so they could whistle and say, Mom, where are you? Because they would, they would lose me. I think that's a great idea, Janine. I have a safety whistle in the pocket of my life jacket at all times. Do you? I keep and one I, in my fly I, fishing vest. Yeah, and I have one in my... Um, hiking backpack as well probably will never need it yeah if i do i think that whistle probably costs three or four dollars and it it could very well save somebody's life are there any other safety things that come to mind that we didn't cover just things like i i know people are smart enough to have sunblock on and that kind of stuff but are there any other rules about uh you know safety and water that we didn't cover well if if you're a beginner paddler, I would definitely want to stay out of an area where there's motorized boats and fishing lines and that kind of thing. So always kind of do a good survey of the conditions of where you're thinking of getting in the water and where you'll be getting out. And just, you know, think about any 
potential hazards to you. Um, a motorboat, you're pretty small on the water. And again, it's helpful to have a boat that's a bright color. So if you are going to buy a boat, think about that. Yeah. If you, you know, I think my, let's see, my kayak is bright red and so are our paddle boards. So it helps people in motorized boats to see us, but you're difficult to see. So you, it's really your job to avoid to them. Be seen. You can't count on them avoiding you. Yes. Yeah. And I think too, when people are out in a big motorboat and they're looking kind of out on the horizon and there's a lot of sun and glare. And it's, you know how the water is kind of like just flashing. We were just up in Maine and we took a boat ride in our friend's sailboat. And everything, you, you don't see things till you're right on top of them because of the waves and the way the sun hits them. You could really come up on someone pretty quickly. That's right. Yeah. And I think the other thing to think about, too, is um, the condition of the water. So the water level, if you're in an area where the water level could vary, you mentioned um, the tidal areas that you boat in. But out here in the West, oftentimes we're boating on reservoirs. And um, whether or not we're in a current drought cycle or not, the reservoir levels can be much lower, making it difficult to get into the put-in sites and that kind of thing. And we're about to head to the Midwest. Um, we often take our paddle boards with us um, when we go to visit family, and they've had so much flooding there this yeah. spring that we're going to be really careful um, in the places that we boat there about um, agricultural runoff and wastewater contamination that can happen with flooding and you know e coli and all those kind of nasty things so you do sometimes need to think about water quality as well okay this th that's that's good to know and when you head out in your kayak and you you know you may have a plan to be out on the water for two hours or three hours but the the mom in me is going oh boy you need to have extra water and a snack like something could go wrong and you'd be stuck out there dehydrated oh absolutely i i you know part of, to me part of the fun of paddling is to have lunch out on the water or to kayak to a really beautiful little cove out of the way. So we have a soft-sided cooler that we take with us and we've always got um, lunch and snacks in there and water. You never know when you might end up being on the water longer than you expect because the wind comes up or you decide to go explore something um, that you didn't know was out there. So yeah, definitely always bring um, extra supplies with you. We also bring the dog with us, which is really fun. We've taught her over the years how to get um, into the kayak and onto the paddle boards. We do put a life jacket on her, even though she is an excellent swimmer and uh, very athletic. But just like we wouldn't uh, put ourselves or our kids on the water without a life jacket. We don't do that to the dog either. And you know, I just saw this on Instagram. I was talking uh, talking to you about the people had their dog on the kayak, and of course, he, he had a really bright red vest on, and it had a handle on it, like yep. on the back. And he fell in, and they they had to grab him and pull him out. Yes. Yes, they get quite embarrassed when you do that to them, but sometimes that's the quickest and safest way to get them back into the Oh, that's boat. funny. That's so cute. Well, I want to talk for a minute about, um, we touched on this a little. You were, you're talking about the lakes and the res, uh, reservoirs, and I'm talking about this creek, but there are people who do ocean kayaking too, and bays and estuaries, and like big down here at the Jersey Shore, there's beautiful... Um, coves and inlets along the Jersey Shore where there's paddle companies that take you on tours there and you can see all the eagle nests from the kayaks they do Saturday morning kayak paddles to see the eagles nests have you ever done that kind of kayaking I have yeah we have kayaked um, quite a bit in Hawaii um, off the big island um, and like you said the wildlife that you can see off the ocean is amazing we're watching whales and dolphins and turtles and all kinds of fish of course um, yeah I love that kind of um, kayaking and paddleboarding on the ocean um, I want to ask you about that because you said you were chasing down this whale and immediately my mind thought 
aren't you afraid that whale is going to come up underneath the kayak and flip it? Well, I think if you um, go out onto YouTube, you'll probably find quite a few videos of just <laughs> what you're speaking of. Um, I think the chances of that happening are pretty tiny, and um, most whales are just curious and would never do you any harm. There was even a guy recently, and I think he was a kayaker, who ended up in a whale's mouth. Now, Ooh! experience Jonah and the whale people can brag about (laughs) and live to tell I'm glad yeah (laughs) oh my gosh Um, well I do want to ask like like my girlfriends and I we just saw these we we had that experience and we thought this is something great to add to our outdoor adventure like our our trips you know and we all just ran down to Walmart and bought these $150 sun dolphin or whatever and I love it it's just been great I, I mean I don't I'm not a professional kayaker. We just like to paddle around, tie up together, eat lunch, float for a while, and paddle home. You know, so it's fine for what I need. But we just got in there and started paddling. You know, we had one girl who was doing it, and she showed us how to hold our paddles. But if you knew nothing about this, how how would you take lessons on this? Do you go to a kayak store? Do they teach lessons? Yes, a lot of... Um a, a lot of uh, stores like that do um, a lot of companies that are you know what we would call outfitters that run either day trips or um, multi-night trips um, would also also offer lessons. Um, I'm always a big fan of checking out YouTube first before I'm about to go do something to pick up any tips and pointers and ideas. Um, before we took our first surf lessons in Hawaii, I was I was doing all kinds of things that I had learned on YouTube, like practicing the pop up, you know, to get yeah. from uh, kneeling on the board to standing on the board. I practiced that a bunch thanks to some YouTube videos. So I wouldn't I wouldn't just rely on YouTube videos, but it, it, you yeah, but it gives you a good overview of information. Get started. Yeah, yeah, I I, I always run to YouTube for that kind of stuff too and I I think places like REI too and those kind of outfitter stores yeah they definitely do and over the years I've known some um, local community colleges that offer um, courses as well they often have um, really good outdoor programs and they're open to the public and you can uh, sign up for those to spend a day at your local lake learning how to paddle so there's usually I think if you just um Google um, paddling lessons, paddling tours. And probably meetup. I would think meetup.com when you would find paddle groups. Yes, definitely. Yep. Okay, so if you have your kayak and you have a great uh, um, personal flotation device, don't go without it. What kind of other equipment might you need, Mary Ellen, that's really like essential? And then maybe a few things that are just, just in case things just for fun kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I always bring a pair of gloves because um, we're often paddling for hours at a time and they do make um, special paddling gloves. They're very inexpensive, usually less than $20 and they have a little bit of padding kind of um, on the balls of your fingers and um, so it helps to keep you from getting blisters and I also like them because your hands are going to be the probably the most exposed item on your body while you're paddling and so they give you protection from the sun as well okay um, I always have a really good broad rimmed hat with either um, you know a built-in um, string or a clip because if you're out on the water you're probably going to be subject to some breezes or wind and you don't want to have to go chasing down your hat. Um, I always wear a long sleeve sun shirt or some people call them rashies, um, you know, again, for sun protection. You And if you're paddling somewhere where it's a little cooler, you might even consider a paddling jacket, which usually has um, gussets around the wrists and stuff and it's going to keep you a lot warmer and drier. Yeah, and, and I, I, always, I, I suppose those are specially designed for mobility. They are, yeah. They're made specifically for paddling. Um, and they're not that expensive. They usually run around 50 to to $100. Um, and then I always have a dry bag, which um, is a waterproof bag that you can kind of um, 
cinch down and clip into the boat and that's where I would put my phone and the car keys and anything valuable and if that bag does happen to come out of the boat if it's closed up properly it will float it will float and again if you have it in a bright color you're gonna it's gonna be easier to find should it get away from you oh that's a great idea and if you're somewhere where you know the scenery is great and there's cool wildlife which is pretty much most bodies of water that you're going to get on i i bring a pair of binoculars maybe not a really expensive pair that you care about yeah something that could get dunked <laughs> yeah something that could get dunked uh the local lake that we paddle on in the summer here always has osprey nests on it Ooh, and yeah as the summer progresses we can watch that i think they're probably called fledglings the young Ospreys in the net, these huge, huge nests that the parents build, um, and we watch as they get bigger and bigger throughout the summer, and then they eventually kind of start flying away from the nest. It's pretty spectacular to watch, and a lot easier to see if you have a pair of binoculars with you. Are, do you belong to like paddling clubs? Like, like, is there a paddling magazine? What What's a good place to research this or resources for learning to paddle? Sure. There's some great ones online. Um, paddling.com is a really good site. They do a lot of gear reviews. Um, they would answer a lot of questions for you, like, do I want an inflatable kayak or a hard-sided kayak? Um, same with Kayak Guru. There's Paddling Mag for Paddling Magazine, paddlingmag.com. Those are all resources that I go to when I have questions. Um, There's Canoe and Kayak Magazine. They've got an annual gear guide as well, and they've got a pretty active Instagram site. All kinds of YouTube videos, of course, and then you could always get more information from local outfitters or stores like REI or EMS. You know, I I would love to have your opinion on used equipment. I'm very big on just buying everything used if I can find it. Do you, can you think of something that people should be aware of if they were buying something used? Like, is there a way to crack a kayak or a paddleboard which would make it not safe anymore? Yeah, definitely. I mean, most of them these days, if they've been made in the last um, five or 10 years, are pretty bomb-proof. You you really have to do something pretty extreme to it. Like, I think there's even videos online of trucks rolling over inflatable and hard-shell kayaks to show how strong yeah. they are. Yeah, okay, good. But, you know, some of the things you'd want to consider, obviously give it a thorough once-over look um, and consider extra equipment that um, would come with it or would be missing and you would have to buy, like the paddles, like the seats. Some of them come with um, thwarts, like if it's an um, inflatable kayak, it comes with thwarts, which helps keep the stiffness of the kayak intact and pro- provides foot and back rests. Um, if you're buying something inflatable, um, really probably the most vulnerable um, part on it are the valves, the inflatable valves, mm-hmm. um, where you're going to put the air in and let the air out. So you really want to check those very thoroughly, make sure they're in good shape. There's not a lot of dirt and grit in them. Um, if you're buying an inflatable, you need a good pump or some kind of inflator system. If you have a tire inflator for your car, you can use that. Don't tell my husband, but that's what he's getting for his birthday next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's great. It is, it, it's a good Father's Day or birthday gift. Like That's right. Yeah. That's right. that You don't want to do that foot pump thing all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I think going used is a great way to go. I completely agree with you, Janine. And um, there's so many uh, groups and sites available on Facebook and other venues these days where you would find that kind of gear um, in your uh, local area. Right. And if you don't really know what you're buying, you know, take a friend who does. Right. Yeah, I love that. And um, my neighbor has a 12-foot racing kayak that he got at a garage sale for $50 like 10 years ago. And really before 
before Facebook Marketplace and all these things. And we looked it up online the other day. It's like a $1,500 kayak. I'm sure. Yeah, that's a good steal. Yeah, yeah, he kept trying to give it to me. And I said, I, I don't really need it. And it's so big. And I can't, you know, I wouldn't really be able to use it. You should give it to someone. And, and then my husband said, did you see? You should have took it. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's not a good idea to hoard things that you're not going to use. But it... If you were really serious about it, that would have been quite the find at a garage sale. Yeah, I don't think that's that rare if, you, if you're just patient and you look around and mm-hmm. you kind of put that good karma out there. Um, I think there's some good steals out there to be had for sure. Well, we do have a girl camper trip coming up that's going to involve some kayaking. So our friend, our mutual friend, Mary Curlin, who who is really such a great trip planner. She is one of the girl campers in Northern California. She puts together a lot of fun trips. So she's putting together a trip in Monterey, California, I think in October. Yeah, I think the dates, Janine, are October 17th through the 20th. Okay, October 17th through 20th, and that is going to be on um, the girl. If you went to the Girl Camper Facebook page and clicked under events, you'll see it there. Eventually, it's going to land on our homepage at girlcamper.com. And Mary is just one of our favorite girl campers because she's a mentor and she's a teacher. And she really has such a deep belief like you and I both do in the power of women helping women. So if this is something that appeals to you and you live in that area, I I think this is something that you might be able to want to do because these are women who would be willing to help you get out there and have a first experience with it. Well, and it sounds really amazing, Janine. It's going to be during the three days of camping, Mary's going to offer three different guided kayak tours through a local outfitter on the Monterey Bay, which is a marine sanctuary, and also on a nearby tidal estuary. And both of these areas are known for incredible sea life. And there's otters and seals and sea lions, sometimes dolphins. I'm going to have to get Mary to actually come on the show and talk about that trip. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm going to try to make it out there. It is not in my backyard, but I am going to try to make it out there. Monterey is such a special area, and there's so many other amazing things to do there, uh, including a world-class aquarium um, right on the water. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward. I hope she does it again because that's like the day after I get home from the Ireland trip, so I won't be Ah. able to do it. But let's tell everybody what you and I are cooking up for July of 2021. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, I think it was your idea originally, Janine. What's that? I think it was your idea originally. <laughs> well, I listen, when you know someone who knows the business, I said to you, w- please help us set up a bucket list Grand Canyon River trip for Girl Camper. I, and I mean that sincerely when I said to you, I laid in bed that night in Waxahachie, just imagining the full moon on the river rocks and thinking, I want that experience. I want to do that. Once in my life, I want to do that. I, I'm not really a big river person, but I'm not afraid to do it because you have professionals with you. So just give a little oh. peek about what a, like a week-long river trip is. Okay, so um, we'll probably go with the company that I worked for for eight years, which I think is the best company down there. There's a lot of great companies uh, in Grand Canyon, but I love Arizona Raft Adventures. You can go to azraft.com if you kind of want to get a taste of what those trips look like. It's likely going to be eight days long and cover 226 miles of the Colorado River through Grand Canyon from Lee's Ferry to Diamond Creek. And um, it's what makes those trips so special, Janine. I always like to say that it's really only 10% about the river, and it's really the rest of the trip is camping on these beautiful, soft, white sand beaches. I mean, who knew that there were beautiful, soft, white sand beaches at the bottom of the Grand Canyon? I, I yeah. didn't tell you. You would think it would all be rocky. Yeah, no, the beaches, it is, I often had first-time campers on those river trips, and I was always so glad that 
it's the best possible camping experience for first timers. And I don't think too many of your listeners are first timers, but no, but this would be a first time. So there's a lot of women who camp like I do in in quite the lap of luxury. I'm I'm barely roughing it in my max. So to me, I love the challenge. I love the idea that I'm going to be completely out of my comfort zone. At the end of the day, I'm not going to flop in my camper and scroll Facebook. I am going to be cooking out on the shores of the river and sleeping in a tent and having a a backpack or I mean, a bed mat to roll up. I mean, I think it sounds so fun. Yeah, it is. And being on the river gives you access to these amazing side canyons so that you really couldn't get to otherwise. And these side canyons are full of beautiful waterfalls and creeks and fern grottos and wildflowers and wildlife. And um, we spend every day on those trips doing a combination of shorter and longer hikes to these really special places that you wouldn't be able to get to otherwise. Oh, boy. Um, and it that's sounds really what, great. To me, what makes that trip special? So uh, I asked you to look into this and thinking we should put this on the books for next summer, but everything from next summer is already booked. So we literally can't get this on the books until July of 2021. <laughs> right. That's how long we have to wait. But you know what? That's going to give us plenty of time to watch a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I guarantee you, um, the Grand Canyon is not um, is not constant white water. It is what we call a pool drop river. So there are very long, mellow, quiet stretches of river, uh-huh. and then you have a big drop, and that big drop is a rapid. Some yeah. of them are big, <laughs> but the boats that will be going in and guides that will be taking us all very, very experienced. Yeah, it, it's super safe. It's really fun. I've, I've had people on those trips who aren't swimmers, who aren't campers, who were terrified on the first day and crying by the end of the trip because they didn't want to leave. Because it was over. Um, so I hope your listeners um, would consider going, even if it sounds a little bit scary and a little bit out of their comfort zone. My own mother went four times. She was not a camper. She was Aww. not an outdoor girl at all. And she went four times um, as an older woman. Yeah. Um, so oh, I love it. it. And you know what? We've got plenty of time to talk about it because by the time we can pull it together and post this, um, we'll have to have you back on the show where we can really have an itinerary and go through it, you know, day by day. And um, it's something that I just have in my head, like I'm going to do it. Like um, about four years ago, I did this um, bucket list thing where I went to a cattle ranch in Wyoming and did roping and wrangling for a week. (laughs) And drove, uh, rode a horse 12 miles through a canyon, jumping a creek 75 times, slept overnight under the stars. I, I mean, I, I we were laying on the ground going, I can't believe we're here, you know? And, and I think of this trip like the same way. Like, I was terrified when we started the 12-mile canyon ride because the guy kept saying, if you fall off, if you break a bone, there's no helicopters. We just put you on the horse and pull you out. <laughs> So, you know, they really try to make you aware that there's innate danger, but just play by the rules, follow our guides, you're going to be fine. Exactly. And I was so proud of myself when I was done. And I think that translates into other things for people who challenge themselves. Absolutely, Janine. Yeah. I mean, who knows? After this river trip, you may want to become a river guide. You never know. (laughs) That's not going to happen, (laughs) Mary. No, no. But but I, I do want to go to Lapland, Iceland and see the northern stars on uh, a little uh, sled pulled by reindeer. <laughs> oh, all right. You tell me when you get that trip. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming on that That's one. the one after this. So I, I got my bucket list trips lined up there. So Mary Ellen, it's always such a great pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for sharing all of this with us. And I want everybody to go over and follow Mary Ellen at campergroove.com which is such a great resource. I fall into that rabbit hole and I can't get out. 
Thank but you, Janine. I don't feel on bad. On behalf of all of the Grow Campers, I've just got to thank you for everything you've done over the years. And uh, it's just been such a pleasure to see your following grow and grow. And um, I, you just do so much to help all of us. And we really appreciate it. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. Literally, it is literally my pleasure. <laughs> so, Mary Ellen, I hope I see you soon. We might see you soon. We'll see. We're hoping our paths cross pretty soon. But if it doesn't you're always in my heart so thank you dear thank you janine okay we'll talk to you soon bye-bye well that's our show for today i'd like to thank mary ellen for coming on the show i enjoy using my kayak and even my scout inflatable boat i had that out last weekend i enjoy those things so much and being out on the water is just so relaxing so mary ellen thank you for all you do to encourage girl campers all along the way especially on your own page campergroove.com i hope everyone's going to go over and check that out because she does a spectacular job on that website i'd also like to thank campco for sponsoring this show You know what Campco makes? They make lots of cool stuff. Stuff for boating, stuff for RVing, stuff for tailgating, grilling, camping, as well as everything you need to clean, maintain, and operate your RV. I just transferred my big red campfire from my back porch back to the back of my truck. I not only use that when I'm camping, I use it in my backyard all winter long. It's so great to go out there and just be able to turn it on for 15 or 20 minutes. If you've never considered a propane fire pit before, think about this. It can be used in lots of places where there's a fire ban. So a lot of times you can have a wood burning ban, but not a propane fire ban. The other thing I love about it is I just get to turn it on for the amount of time that I want to use it. So maybe I don't want to stay up around the fire for two hours, but I just want to enjoy a cup of hot something before I go to bed. I can turn that on and sit by it for a couple minutes, enjoy my hot toddy, and then turn it off and go to bed. The third thing is what I pay for firewood in one summer is about one third of the cost of purchasing the propane fire pit outright. So check out girlcamper.com and you'll see a link over there. It's also on Amazon. It's on the teardrop shop, the big red fire pit by Camco. I'd also like to thank Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, General RV with 13 locations across the country, our friends at Bankston Motorhomes in Alabama and Tennessee, and our friends at Liberty Outdoors, makers of that great Max trailer. That's a wrap, everybody. Have a great week and happy trails.